0: This is the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. And yeah, welcome to it. It is uh, six minutes after seven o'clock and a uh, charming Monday. Good weather today. I'm betting you're not out listening to us as you ride your bike. You're probably uh, hungered down at home trying to stay warm and dry. Good time to have the radio on. And come up with those uh, employment law questions which may have been uh, haunting you for some time. If it's for you or a a family member, a colleague, a pal at work, no problem. Grab a phone and ask. That is the best way to do it. Partner Stan Feinslberg is on the show again tonight. Samfiru to Tamarkin LLP is the firm, the most positively reviewed employment law firm in this wonderful land of ours. So you can uh, you can check that out anytime you like to reach out to Stan, anytime, one 855 821 help at employmentlawyer.ca. By the way, we are going to uh, whittle our way through the inbox tonight. Got a ton, um, a ton of emails, Stan. Every week you guys do hundreds, and I mean that literally, that's not hyperbole, because of all the things going on. As this pandemic winds its way through and hopefully winding down, there's still tons of uh, employment grief out there. People losing their jobs, being told they have to vaccinate. Not sure if it's mandatory. Will they lose their job? Will they get severance? Can they, uh, can they fight it? All these questions and more. I know you get all the time, so in that regard, you can call right now, 416-870-6400, 416-870-6400 to call through, ask Stan your questions, don't sit there puzzled, get some answers and reach out for sure, but uh, that's how it's going to happen tonight. Again, a lot of emails coming through, so we'll get to those, but Stan, you always start, my brother, with the uh, the week that was, what's going on in your end?
1: Absolutely, John, good to hear from you, uh, and welcome to all our listeners uh- So I want to start off the week that was, as we usually do, with uh, something I think that's really important going on in relation to all these various government programs that have been set up during the COVID pandemic. Um, Many of our listeners may not realize necessarily, but as of this Saturday, some of the most important of those programs have have officially been wound down. And Mm -hmm. what I'm specifically talking about, John, is the Canadian Recovery Bender, or the CRB. that has officially been wound down as of Saturday it was a supplementary program that was provided you know for people who couldn't either qualify for EI or for people who just didn't fall under the criteria of EI like contractors independent or de- inter- uh, or independent contractors yeah and this created that safety net for those people kind of who you know got left behind by the EI program which we all kind of realized was a big problem when the pandemic happened so this program unfortunately is no longer around in its place, the government has provided a, a new program called the Canadian Worker Lockdown Benefits. Uh, however, this program only applies if you are impacted by a government-imposed lockdown. And if you are in that situation, you can receive $300 a week up until about uh, early May. As well as uh, the CRB debt being wound down, another program, the Canadian Emergency Wage Subsidy, the program that the government had instituted uh, to allow people to stay on the payroll effectively, uh, which if a company qualified based on a loss of revenue, an individual could get up to 75% of their wages covered by the government, up to a certain maximum, of course, but that would, uh, the idea with that program was that... Instead of you know, essentially laying all these people off and then having to deal with this problem that you know we all kind of see happening right now, these labor shortages and getting people back to work, mm-hmm. this program actually allowed people to stay on the, the payroll, not necessarily having to work, but having their wages covered. Uh, on top of this, the government has brought in some I- new programs to target some very specific industries. Uh, one that the government's recently created is the Tourism and Hospitality Recovery Program. As you can tell by the sound of the program, yep. it's being addressed to the tourism and hospitality industries. And if a particular business in that industry can show it 40% drop in revenue right. from this time, you know, last month or two, uh, two years ago, sorry, then they can qualify for a subsidy of up to 75% of an employee's wages until mid-March. Again, this is a program that's being phased in just as the wage subsidies being phased out as kind of a replacement program and uh, kind of and in line with the Tourism and Hospitality Recovery Program, the government has brought in the hardest hit business recovery program. Basically, this program covers every other business that's not covered under the Tourism and Hospitality Program. And just like the Tourism and Hospitality Program, if you can show a revenue drop, this time of 50%, then you can have your employees' wages subsidized by 50% of their wages until mid-March. Uh, a couple of other programs that are actually being extended as well is the Canadian Recovery Hiring Program. This one was put in place more recently than the previous ones, uh, and this one was brought in place by the government to get people back to work effectively. And it was it was to essentially provide businesses that can show again a revenue drop some some subsidies to help them in- incentivize employees to come back. Uh, it's been extended until November 20th now. And the Canadian Recovery Sickness Benefit and the Canadian Recovery Caregiver Program have also been extended until November 20th. The Sickness Benefit Program in particular, and this one, for whatever reason, people do not seem to be that aware of. But if you are in all affected by COVID, if you have symptoms, if you've been ordered to quarantine, if you, you know, if you've been, if you actually have COVID, uh, you qualify for up to four weeks of sick benefits through EI. And, similar to that, the Canadian Recovery Caregiver Benefit Program is there in place for people who have other people in their lives who have been affected by COVID and provides for up to 42 or 44 weeks of Mm. coverage, which has been extended until November 20th. And just to leave this segment on a high note, John, you know, in doing research for this segment, I came across a very interesting government statistic that maybe uh, those who don't follow the job numbers may have missed last month. But we are now, as a country, 100% recovered all of the jobs that we have lost during the pandemic. And, you know, to contrast this, John, in the United States, they're only at 78%. So regardless of what we think of the government programs, they seem to have certainly helped us bring the jobs back and gotten us to recover faster, at least than our neighbors to the south.
0: There you go. A lot of information off the top. Uh, your phone calls four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. Always our top priority. We'll move that way uh, first in that regard. Kenny, thanks for uh, thanks for hanging on. How are you?
2: Uh, not bad, thanks. Beauty. What's on your mind? Well, I'm just thinking as a voting liberal. What I'm hearing here is I have to go
1: back to work. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well,
1: Be we nice. do have a conservative government in this province. So.
3: Like, that's it? Uh, I don't you know. got a question? Change my vote. Okay. No, that's it. That, that was all I had to say for tonight.
0: All right, Kenny, appreciate that. I was hoping for a question in there somewhere, sure but a I comment. guess not. Just a, just, just a comment, right? <laughs> uh, as mentioned, 416-870-6400 is the, uh, the number to call in, just like Kenny, preferably with a question. And preferably about something in the employment realm would be even more uh, – more uh, topical for sure. But I want to move on to our first email here just quickly before we get to a, a break in a few minutes. Michael is up next, says, Hey, Stan, my company found out I have a second job and is upset because they think I'm not devoting myself to the company. My second job is completely unrelated to my job with the company, and I don't think it interferes with my work in any way. Can they terminate me for cause for having a second job?
1: Well, Michael, I mean... Generally speaking, what I would say is that they absolutely cannot terminate you for cause for having a second job. The only way in which they would be able to do that is if you had a contract that contained what we call an exclusivity clause, you know, basically a clause that says you agree to devote all your time and attention to this company and in, and agree not to work for any other company unless you, most of these clauses will say something along the lines of, you know, unless you have our written permission. Outside of that context, unless you have an explicit agreement to something like that clause, there are no there are basically no restrictions on you working for another company. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, you know, if it's direct conflict of interest, it can create issues, you know, if you're especially if you're a fiduciary for the company that you work for initially. Uh, But outside of that context, if they're unrelated, I mean, people can have two jobs if they want. They can have three, they can have four.
0: Yeah, I guess it's different if it's a similar type job where they might fear you pulling clients from one job to the other. But mm-hmm. I mean, that doesn't that doesn't sound like anything that uh, that Michael's talking about. He says it's totally unrelated. So you know, guy's got to make a living. He's got he's got he's got bread to pay for, man. So I guess it's not a big deal in that regard. Uh, yeah. Zoya, right? Zoya is up next. Says uh, guys have been working as a contractor for the last four and a half years for one employer. After listening to your show, I realized that I'm really an employee at law. Am I entitled to a vacation, statutory holiday pay for the years I was mischaracterized as a contractor?
1: So if if, if a court or the ministry ordered that you were an employee, then you were absolutely entitled to vacation pay and statutory holiday pay. The question more becomes, how far back can you go? Right. Because our general statute of limitations legislation in Ontario only allows you to start an action after, two years after... A, the cause of action happened, or B, you discovered the cause of action, and that's likely what's going to be the operative section here, that if you really can show that, no, I didn't know until I spoke to, you know, Stan and Samira to Mark and LLP, who told me, hey, you're actually an employee, uh, that I was an employee, and you could show that to the court. Well, that's when you discovered your cause of action as it relates specifically to the vacation statutory holiday pay, and then you can go back the full four and a half years very likely.
0: That's interesting because the four and a half years I think is interesting, Stan. Because in so many mm-hmm. arenas of, of both, yeah, I guess employment law, disability law, which we do, you guys cover that as well. That two year mm-hmm. mark seems to be uh, seems to be a bit of a uh, a bit of a buoy. Two years seems to be the the number that most things expire on or things change at. Is that right?
1: Yeah, uh, you know, it's an. I don't know what the rhyme or reason is for that. Yeah. You're right. Certainly, if we talk about the disability context, the definition of what you know, what's required to keep uh, on long-term disability changes after two years. Yeah. Again, I mean, they may just be following the statute, but I will say that the, the you know, the issue of um, limitations, it's very malleable. I mean, nobody, judges and courts don't want to just limit people's ability. And if there is, and that's why this discoverability component becomes so important. You know, if you can give a court a reason to think, hey, you know, they probably didn't know and only discovered it after the fact, then that can give you enough, you know, the the grounds you need to move forward with an action, even if it's beyond the two years. Now, that that won't necessarily, now, John, that doesn't save you from not knowing if it's, you know, related to negligence. If you could have known if the answer was obvious, like, let's say in a scenario where I got fired, and obviously that's the cause of action, that's when my wrongful dismissal happens, anyone reasonably should know that, even if you don't know that, the court will likely say you should have and therefore, the two year limitation will run from that period onwards.
0: In that regard, we'll take a little break here and get right back to it. i uh, got to give you some time to grab a phone and call us and ask your questions. Stand is here for the duration, 416 870 6400. 416 870 6400. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. We'll continue. Lots more coming up. Employment Law Show, Global News Radio.
1: Welcome back to the Employment Law
2: Show on Global News Radio.
0: That is good advice. Call now, 416-870-6400. You have questions about your employment's rights. Of course, this is the show for you. Monday nights, Wednesday night, weekend shows as well. You've been terminated or laid off or wrongfully dismissed, harassed at work, all that stuff. Experience changes to your job Call now and get some answers. Uh, Stan Feinselberg here. Partner Stan Firu and LLP is here to help. Employment Lawyer is the website. By the way, you want to slide over there and uh, hit the media tab. Follow our TV show as well. It's pretty cool. And if you've uh, you know you need some advice or get the compensation you deserve, they are the guys you want to call. And that number anytime one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. But we always get to our phone calls first. AJ, thanks for hanging on through the break. How are you? I'm. Thank you. Okay. How are you? Sure. What's up? I'm excellent. What's uh, what's on your mind, brother?
4: I've experienced ableism in the workplace for many years,
2: and I just want to know my rights. I
1: sure, AJ.
2: With a disability, how I can handle ableism in the workplace? Okay.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm really sorry to hear that you're experiencing that, AJ. I mean, that's absolutely unfair and both unfair and illegal. Um, so, there's a couple ways you can handle this. Firstly, ableism is discrimination uh, based on a medical disability. And so, if you're experiencing ableism and they're still this continuing discriminated against you despite you speaking to the owner, speaking to the people, they won't change their conduct for whatever reason. Right. That That is absolutely a human rights violation, and you can go to the Human Rights Tribunal and file a human rights discrimination complaint with the tribunal. Uh, what you can also do, do is speak to the Ministry of Labor, because the Ministry of Labor, under the Occupational Health and Safety Act, or administers the Occupational Health and Safety Act, and one of the provisions of that act is that your employer is required to ensure that you have a harassment free and toxic free workplace. And the ministry can actually come in and do an investigation and uh, has a whole host of remedies that it can impl- use if it finds that indeed this is a har- harassment has occurred and it is a toxic workplace. The other thing you can also do here AJ is if it's if there's really just no alternative and you you've decided that you can't stay in this workplace and you're leaving regardless. Well, Toxic, a toxic environment is one of the branches that of a constructive dismissal and so if, if you've decided that you just can't work here anymore and you're leaving and you know you want your severance because this is unfair well that's what a constructive dismissal is for and you can talk to us about pursuing that as well okay thank you.
0: Thanks, AJ. Appreciate your call and your uh, your time tonight. I think give you that number one more time. You'll probably want to reach out after the show and talk to uh, talk to Stan. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Elliot, thanks for hanging on. Good evening.
2: Good morning.
0: That too. What's up? What's your question?
2: <laughs> uh, well, um, uh, it's been about a year since I basically quit from my old job due to uh, toxic workplace environment. And I Mm -hmm. found out from uh, the guy who was, I I was supposed to basically inherit the company. And my old boss brought in someone else on top of me and told them, do whatever you can to fire this guy or to get him to quit. Okay. And now now he's been fired too. So he (laughs) called me up and told me all this information.
1: Oh, wow. Um, well, that's, that's an interesting scenario. I mean, well, luckily you're well within that two-year statute of limitations to proceed here. And if you have a witness who's going to testify that, you know, the owner said, hey, make sure you get rid of this guy and force him out. I mean, that's about as strong of evidence of a constructive dismissal as I think you're capable of getting here. Uh, so, you know, the, you should probably contact me during the week, uh, during the work hours at my office, and so we can discuss this and see how we proceed from there.
2: Alrighty, yeah, because he's also he's also looking to pursue him legally as well.
1: Yeah, why don't you reach out to uh, either someone at my office, or you can reach out to me directly at stan. at sanf- uh, stan. at sanf- or, or stlawyers.ca, and I'd be happy to talk to you directly. Or you know, you can reach into, uh, to our intake team. So you've spoken to Stan, and they'll connect you to me as well. Alrighty.
0: Thanks, pal. Appreciate it, Elliot. And uh, moving forward again, I'm going to keep giving that number until everybody's used to it, one 821 5900 But here and now, 416-870-6400. Hello, Roseanne. Thanks for hanging on. Good evening.
2: Yes, hi. Good evening. Uh, yes, I'm calling to find out. Um, I was terminated uh, from my job as a manager two weeks ago. And uh, they listed on the letter that um, it's because I'm refusing to be vaccinated by a certain date, which was October the 12th. Um, can I be legally terminated with cause from my job, even though my contract—well, um, it's a full-time uh, permanent position, but my original contract with them does not. This does not require the vaccine as part of you know being employed.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, no, of course. I mean. That's-
2: Yeah. This
1: this is all a novel situation that's been created by the pandemic. And, you know, I I do see a lot of overreaction by employers and employees, frankly, and a lot of line drawing. And this is what a lot of employers have unfortunately decided to do. They've said it's a mandatory vaccination or you lose your job. Mm -hmm. From my perspective, in most scenarios, I will say that I do not believe that either uh, that imposing a mandatory vaccination policy And then firing someone based on that policy can constitute cause to terminate your employment. Uh, They've instituted a brand new policy. As you say, it was not part of your original contract. It was not required for you to work there. Uh, Mm -hmm. Presumably, you've been working there throughout the pandemic without issue. So it doesn't really show that there's an absolute necessity for this. And frankly, the government's, you know you know, while all these employers are putting in these mandatory vaccination policies and arguing the sky is falling and that's why we need it, that this is just such a normal situation. Well, today we had all capacity limits lifted for many of our retail locations, you know, and there's a number of steps that are going to continue happening, easing us out of the pandemic, which, again, just goes to contrast all of the, the rationale for these policies to begin with. That is why I, you know, my firm does not believe they can constitute cause. And, Roseanne, if you have been terminated on this basis, you should absolutely contact us at the office and we can discuss pursuing legal action against your employer.
2: Okay, great. Um, thank you very much.
0: Thank you, Roseanne. I'm going to give you that number, one 821 5900 You have the email option as well. That would be help at employmentlawyer.ca. You're going to keep going here. More phone calls, 416-870-6400. And, Eduardo, thank you for hanging on. Good evening. You're next.
3: Good evening. Thank you for taking my call. I've called a few times during this crazy times, and I thought I would have been back to work by now. I work at a Mm -hmm. casino. They haven't opened up to what they were allowed to, and now that it's fully open, they're still not calling back everybody and opening up. I'm just wondering, have I forfeited any rights because I didn't act when they didn't call me back right away? They've called back about 20% of their staff.
1: Well, you haven't forfeited your rights in terms of your job. You know, if you're if you're waiting to be called back, then you absolutely can choose to do that. Yeah. And at the end of the day, if they don't call you back, that's a termination. There's really no other way to get around that from from their perspective. Uh, what might 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 be an issue is if you tried to claim constructive dismissal at this point because it has been you know a good year and a half since since you were probably laid off. Um, obviously, you know there are. The, my, the facts and specific to your situation are very important because casinos have only recently been allowed to reopen, and so that could allow you to say, "Well, I was I didn't acquiesce to anything. They were not open. Now they're open. They're not calling me back. Now I'm taking the position as constructive dismissal." Uh, ultimately, you know, is as long as you're if you're willing to stay on and be recalled, you know, at the end of the day, they either have to recall you or they have to terminate you. If you want to take action before that, you can absolutely contact us at our office to a lawyer, they'll they'll get the facts particular to your situation and let you know what your case looks like. And at
3: what point Mm -hmm. do I have to wait before I consider myself fired? Can they just keep me on leave for forever and never pay me severance?
1: No, absolutely not. Uh, So the infectious disease, emergency disease leave regulations, which are the regulations that are currently in place that allow them to put you on this leave of absence. They are scheduled to expire as of early January. Now, this isn't the first time they've been scheduled to expire. It's probably the fourth, I think, at this point. So there's always a chance it could be extended. But presuming they're not extended, and all indications seem to be that will be the case, that they won't be extended this time, considering the numbers we have uh, in this province, then that legislation actually says they have to call you back as soon as it expires. So by early January, if they haven't called you back, you absolutely can take action at that point.
3: Is there a time frame where I lose my rights, meaning I can wait and wait for them to call me back and then after two years, they consider me gone and no severance? Or do they will always have to pay me a severance if they don't call me back?
1: As I said earlier in the segment, it's, not, it's more a question of a statute of limitations because there's a two year limitation on any action in Ontario from either when the action happened or when you discovered it, that you had a cause of action. Okay. So in your situation, it, it could be a question when, when somebody's laid off and there, you know, kind of in this limbo, it's usually the second component that becomes operative because you know, you don't discover that you're gone until you realize, Hey, this really is it that they're really not calling me back. I wouldn't be overly concerned about the, the statute of limitations right now. The law has been a significant flux. Um, The limitations period was actually suspended for six months last year because our court system wasn't functioning properly. You have you've got time, which you really need I think is more to make a decision and some closure.
3: Yeah, because I I want my job back. I don't think they're in any due time going to call me back.
1: Well I'm sorry to hear that and I mean of course you're allowed to wait as I say you can wait until January but I would say at that point if the regulations are expiring and you, they still haven't called you back that's probably you know the right time to take action if you if, as long as you don't want to do it now
0: Eduardo appreciate the call enjoy the rest of your evening want to move on again 416-870-6400 is the number Danny thank you for hanging on how are you
4: yeah yeah, I'm. Well, I don't know. I haven't figured it out yet. But uh, all right, you know, thank, thank, good for for talk radio. Uh, you got I, that right. I'm, I'm a self employed long haul trucker, seventy years old. I'm on old age security and and Canada pension, and I took the COVID money from the government, yes. not knowing anything about it. Figuring it, they were just giving it away, and I wasn't working because of the virus thing. I can't go across the border, stuff. And they—they uh, they have taken the government has deducted from my old age pension now, six hundred and fifty dollars a month. They've almost taken half of my money. They left me with seven hundred dollars a month for old age pension, plus two hundred bucks for Canada pension, and mm-hmm. they figured I can live on this. But they took it all in one lump sum for a year. Ooh, also, every is... month, every month I've lost uh, the past two months. I've I've gotten seven hundred dollars a month.
1: And so, I'm Danny, what what is the rationale that? the government's giving you for uh, for reducing your pension? Is it, it because it's exactly. saying that you didn't qualify for the COVID money that you ended up taking?
4: I have no idea what they were saying. What they're saying that. Uh, I, uh, the, I was getting the GIS, is that it? Yeah. The guarantee. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I was getting the GIS and since I took that money, I don't need the GIS. So they took the GIS away. Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. So what what the government has been doing, I, I don't know if this applies to you particularly, Danny, but if you were if you were in receipt of money from one of these various government programs during COVID, that maybe you did not qualify for because uh, as I understand, you're self-employed, you may not have been able to show that you had the necessary revenue loss, and that doesn't mean you didn't have the revenue loss. There could be other reasons for that, like maybe you haven't done your taxes recently. So there you may need to talk to an accountant about what specifically the government is doing here because I suspect it has something to do with the fact that you didn't qualify for the covid money that you ended up taking and that's why they're garnishing your stipend other stipends to re- basically recoup the money from you.
4: But 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 how uh, okay that's great but how can they figure this that's cool to take half of my old age pension half
1: for for a year well, you can appeal these decisions. Just so you're aware, there is a uh, branch of government called the Social Security Tribunal that deals with, uh, amongst other things, EI appeals and old age pension CPP appeals. Right. So you can appeal that decision. And just because the government's doing it, doesn't mean that it's legal. It doesn't mean it's okay. That's why we have independent, you know, court systems to adjudicate that. Yeah.
4: Well, I, I know I know a young guy, a, a, a friend, a friend of my uh, uh, my a buddy's friend, his son. He mm-hmm. t- he got the COVID money, and the government he got a big chunk of change, and the government is taking thirty dollars a month off of his money, his his
1: his disability. Mm -hmm.
4: Again, I mean, it's really hard
1: to say specifically why it's happening to you without understanding the the government's rationale. You know, again, I I have to think that it's probably related to you not qualifying for the COVID money you took. And again, there may be ways to to basically remedy this. It could be as simple as you just need to file certain tax documents to show that you qualified based on a loss of revenue as a self-employed person.
0: Danny, going to let you go. Appreciate the call. Just going to line up a couple more here as we as we go on through the evening. 416-870-6400 is the way to uh, ask your questions here for the remainder of this show. We're back, of course, Wednesday night and the weekend shows as well. Lisa, quick email uh, coming after Bill. I want to get to Bill's call first. So stand by, Lisa. Your email is is coming up. Bill, how are you? What's going on? Hey, what's going on,
2: guys? Just uh, Good. I got a. Bu- Got a buddy of mine who uh, has—he got offered a promotion and a raise and everything, and obviously they want him to sign a new employment agreement. And having seen that employment agreement, it looks very more like very very less ambiguous than the the uh, previous one, which Mm -hmm. simply makes mention of uh, the minimums under the Employment uh, Standards Act. So basically, like I understand that he isn't able to take advantage of the new perks and title and salary unless he signs the new agreement. But at that point, isn't he kind of handicapping himself forever at that particular job? He's kind of limiting his growth at that spot. Is there anything else that can be done about that? I'm just curious.
1: Well, I wouldn't say, I mean, I'm not sure what you mean by limiting his growth, he might limit his, uh, you know, entitlements upon termination. And that's a trade-off you may have to consider, you know, if he wants to make it. If the new job is good enough, and may be may, a trade-off that's worthwhile. Um, I would also just say that, it, you know, if you're looking, if you're, what it sounds like to me is you're talking about a termination clause, and you're saying the clause in the new contract is, prob- is better than the one in the old contract because it's a lot more specific and it has a lot more detail. And one thing I would say to you is that actually I find that clauses that are more detailed, that have more, you know, words in them, frankly, uh, tend to be the ones that have the the greater problems. Uh, you know, every word in there is going to be read with specificity by a judge. You know, every word we, when we interpret these contracts, we assume that every word means something. And oftentimes, you get in trouble when you make a clause too wordy because it starts to contradict itself. It starts to become ambiguous. There could be hypothetical scenarios that would, you know, basically contradict it or allow it to violate the ESA. Honestly, from my perspective, the best clauses are the ones that are very simple. Mm. Even what saying is something as simple as upon termination, you'll be entitled to all of your entitlements under the statute, under the Employment Standards Act and nothing further. You know, that's a good clause, despite the fact that it's one sentence. Okay. so the best thing you can honestly do uh, is just have them contact us and we can review both contracts and give him a really, you know, a proper perspective on what he's agreeing to in this contract so that he can, you know, go in for why that is open.
2: Okay. Awesome. Yeah, that's what I'll let know. Thanks.
1: Cheers, guys.
0: Thanks, Billy. Appreciate it. And uh, reaching out to Stan, uh, if you want to have a further conversation, more clarity as well. Always a good thing, right? Uh, 1-855-821-5900. Still got a couple minutes to go. 416-870-6400. But Lisa's email, let's get to this one. Short and sweet says, hey, Stan, if I am a salaried employee, am I entitled to overtime?
1: Yeah, you know, I think this is the question we pro- that I've certainly heard from emails and, cl- and clients most often on this show, John, which is... This question is do you get overtime if you're a salaried employee and the answer is you absolutely do um now there are certain exceptions for very specific categories of people who don't get overtime um, but unless you fall in one of these very specific categories it doesn't matter how they pay you it doesn't matter if you're you know salaried if you're hourly uh if you're bi-weekly monthly you know commissioned it doesn't matter because you're still entitled to Time and a half after forty-four
0: hours a week, and let's see if we get to uh, to one or two more with our last few minutes. Uh, Hanson, Hanson is up next. Says, guys, are there any exceptions for employees to getting overtime after forty-four hours a week?
1: You know, per- perfect question right after Lisa's, uh, because yeah. there are a number of exceptions that I just alluded to. So you know, the big ones, the ones that tend to apply you know, to to most people, are if you're a manager. Uh, or if you're an IT professional, if you work as in either an ambulance or firefighter setting, uh, if you're a cab driver, or if you're an individual who works in agriculture on a farm, then you are actually not subject to the overtime provisions and are not entitled to time and a half. And one thing I will add here, John, is that specifically for managers, oftentimes what I see is companies will just call everybody a manager. You're an account manager, you're a VP of sales, you know, And then they say, oh, you're a manager now, and therefore you don't get overtime. And maybe, you know, at least 80% of the time, that's just a title, and the person really has no managerial authority, has no real managerial power. So you can't just skirt the law and skirt Mm -hmm. this overtime provision by slapping a title on someone, calling them a manager, and then saying you don't know it. At the end of the day, it's about the facts on the ground and whether – a a court, the ministry, what have you, will actually determine that this person has real managerial authority and therefore is exempted from overtime.
0: Monique says, Stan, can I ask, can I ask my employer to pay me instead of taking vacation?
1: So you can absolutely ask that question, Monique. Uh, You and your employer can come to any agreement that you guys choose. Technically speaking, the Employment Standards Act does provide employers with the ability to dictate when employees take their vacation. And this is largely done to help the employer plan for, you know, for the loss of uh, any individual person from the workplace to make sure there's someone else to cover. Right. But ultimately, Monique, I mean, it's up to your employer if they want to pay you out. They absolutely can. If they insist, no, you know, we're, you know, we're a warehouse. We shut down two weeks over Christmas. That's your vacation. They're allowed to do that.
0: Charlene, final email for the night says my employer of the last 37 years told me he's retiring and shutting down the business completely at the end of the month. He told me I am not entitled to anything because I'm over the age of 65. Is that true?
1: Uh, Not really, not true. I mean, it sounds like a human rights violation based on age discrimination. Uh, And what I'll tell you, Charlene, is that I think there's really two aspects. Two different components that we're talking about here. There's the, the legality and then there's the practicality. You know, from a legal perspective, there's no question. You know, just because somebody's shutting down their business, that doesn't mean they get to just walk away from their bills. Uh, they if they're shutting down their business, you're a liability and they have to account for all their liabilities. So again, unless a company is going bankrupt, unless that which literally means that they have more liabilities than they have assets to cover those liabilities. Then, if they just decide, you know, I'm retiring, I don't want to make money anymore, well, you still have to pay Charlene for uh, severance entitlements. That's the legality of it. Now, in terms of the practicality, you, you need to act very quickly in a situation like this because the the hard part becomes if the government, if the company shuts down, now you have got to figure out where they are, how to serve them, and how to get the money once they're shut down. Though that becomes infinitely harder once the company no longer has a business that actually operates. So absolutely, you're entitled to Severn, Shirley, and absolutely should contact us as soon as possible.
0: And that is absolutely it for one night. Uh, back here Wednesday and the weekend shows as well. In the meantime, reaching out a few different ways, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Great website for you to use. You could use that even before you give Stan a call. Lots of information, free and anonymous. Of course, the email address we always pull from is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And phone number 1-855-821-5900. And uh, we'll catch you on Wednesday night. Don't go anywhere. On Point continues with Alex Pearson next.